Heavenly Father, I very much pray that you will take the words that I prepared and that uh, you will use them to help us all on our journey of faith. Help us to hear what you have to say. Not what I have to say, but what you have to say. And we just pray your spirit will move amongst us and, and just take that which is good and useful and help us to remember it and to apply it to our lives. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I think it's quietened down a bit now. So, giving and receiving um, is at the heart of the Christmas story. And it is this theme that I would like to explore for a few minutes this morning as we look at the well-known story about the Magi, or wise men, or perhaps even kings. We must take care not to equate giving simply with the giving of tangible gifts. Giving is much broader than that. For example, we can give our time and attention to others. We can give our feelings as we empathize or have compassion for others. We can use our talents or, or skills to help others. A true gift is given with no strings attached. It is given because a person wishes to express their love, care, admiration, respect, or thanks to others. It is a way of showing that the person is in your thoughts and that you appreciate him, him or her for who they are or what they have done or it is done out of compassion for a particular need. If a gift is to be meaningful, it needs to be carefully and thoughtfully selected with the intended recipient in mind. The choice of gift may depend on many things, but in particular as to why it is being given. Too often today, we seem to measure gifts in financial terms. The best gifts are thought to be the most expensive. When I was in my 20s, I remember talking to a young man who came from a reasonably well-off family. His father often gave him presents, but did not give him the one gift he wanted, and that was his time. In the end, this young man took 500 pounds of his father's money, which was a lot of money in those days, still a lot of money today, but it was even more in the, a few years ago. He took this 500 pounds and he burnt it, as if to make the statement, I don't want your money, I want you. And one last thought, a gift needs to be received as well as given. Some people find it easier to receive, but we must learn not only uh, to give but to receive, because good relationships are built on both giving and receiving. Now, one of the best known and amazing Christmas stories is that of the Magi, who have also been called wise men or kings. Their journey and gifts caught the imagination of the early Christians so much that they drew pictures of them in the Roman catacombs. The story of the Magi has been interpreted by scholars in several ways, from it being an interpretive story 
to it being an historical description of events. One of the discussions centers around where they came from. One of the gifts, frankincense, only originated in one place, Sheba, home of the Queen of Sheba. But Sheba lies to the south of Jerusalem, and the Bible says that they came from the east. One well-researched view is that the Magi came from Persia, or more specifically, Babylon, famous for its hanging gardens. It is thought that they were priests of the Zoroaster religion, where they were respected as healers, interpreters of dreams, and astrologers. These Persian priests were important people, highly respected, and although not kings, were in all probability advisors to kings. To the people of Babylon, stars were very special. On or around the time of Jesus' birth, there were some unusual astronomical occurrences, not least that in the eastern sky, the planet Jupiter was eclipsed by the moon. In Matthew's Gospel, it is recorded that the Magi said, we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. The Bible gives us the bare facts about the visit of the Magi and the story has been read at so many Christmases that we view it with a particular mindset. But let us try and grapple with the historical context. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, which was ruled by a puppet king called Herod, because Judea was under Roman occupation. Herod's reign occurred in the middle of centuries of conflict between two great empires, the Persian and Roman empires. And although a puppet king, Herod was regarded as one of the most ruthless despots of all time. He was both hated and feared by his people. Judea was about 750 miles from Babylon and although it was a, on a well-known trade route, it wouldn't have been an easy journey to make because travelers would have to run the gauntlet of outlaws and hostile desert tribes. So what was it that persuaded the Magi to leave the safety of Babylon and set off on a journey into the unknown? A journey that would take many months. A journey that may have meant leaving loved ones behind. One can only speculate what motivated them. Perhaps as they studied the sky at night, they puzzled over, the create, over who created the heavens and the earth. And this led on to the big questions that mankind has asked generation after generation. Why are we here? Who was responsible for the creation? They could see the beauty of the creation all around them. And it is thought, as they may well have been priests, they would have had a, an understanding that God was the creator. Then, on one evening, as they were gazing into the sky, they saw something unusual, but which appeared to them as a star. And this extraordinary star was in the eastern sky and appeared to hang over Judea. 
At that time, it was thought that such a star signified the birth of a great man or king. And although they were not Jews, the Magi did believe in the coming of a Messiah. How they must have debated what the significance of the star was. But in the end, several of them clearly felt that it signified the birth of a special king, the Messiah, who would be king of kings. And so several of them resolved to find this king and began to make the necessary preparations. We rarely spend time pondering on what preparations the Magi would have had to make for this journey into the unknown. Families to be left behind, a camel train to be organized, or perhaps they sought the protection of a group of traveling merchants. But these Gentiles, these peaceful priests, were determined to go, and so they made the necessary arrangements. In Eastern countries at that time, it was the custom that when paying homage to a king, they gave them presents. So they carefully looked for valuable gifts fit for a king, and they chose gold, the most precious element in the ancient world associated with kings and given by the Magi to the king of kings. Frankincense, an aromatic gum resin of rare trees and considered very precious, given as to God, for they honoured God with the smoke of incense. Myrrh, resin extracted from a rare plant, given as to a man, a man that would die, for myrrh was used in embalming dead bodies. Strange that such a gift should be given to a child, but we now know that Jesus was born to die on a cross so that he could defeat the power of sin and death. And so, after saying their goodbyes, they set out and headed in the general direction of the star which led them to Jerusalem, where they made inquiries, saying, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. They had expected Jesus to be born in a palace, and so they started their search at Herod's palace. Word reached Herod, and he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. This was the first he had heard about the birth of another king of the Jews. His many informers had not alerted him to this news, so he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, and he asked them where it was prophesied that the Messiah would be born. Herod's advisors informed him that it was prophesied that the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem in Judea. So Herod called the Magi to meet him secretly, and during their conversation, he found out the exact time that the star had appeared. As he did not know the identity of the Messiah, he sent them to Bethlehem to search for the child on the understanding that once they had found him, they would report back to him. He told them that he too wanted to worship him. But in truth, he wanted to rid himself 
of a potential future threat. Now, there are many interesting points about this story which challenge the way we view the Magi. In Matthew chapter 2 and verse 11, the reference to the child suggests that when the Magi found Jesus, it may have been a considerable number of months after his birth and not whilst he was still in the manger. When the Magi Magi finally tracked Jesus down, they worshipped him. We can only assume that God had revealed to them that Jesus was his son, and they presented him with three gifts. The mention of three gifts led to, to the tradition that there were three Magi, but the Bible does not state the number, and it is therefore speculative. There are pictures on the walls of the Roman catacombs showing various numbers of Magi. Psalm 72 and Isaiah 49 and 60 made references to kings coming to present gifts to the Messiah. The Magi's clothes may also have given them the appearance of regal men. Maybe for these reasons, the Magi came to be thought of as kings. We do not know how old Jesus was when the Magi found him, but in verse 9, Matthew describes Jesus as a child. The probability is that Jesus was a small child, aged anything up to two years. This is given credence by what happened at the end of the story, when Herod killed all the boys who were two years old and younger. So reading the biblical narrative carefully, it seems likely that the Magi found Jesus as a child and that there were no kings. The Magi, as we heard earlier, were used to interpreting dreams. And we are told in verse 12 that they were warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, but to return to their country by another route. God was clearly at work in the lives of the Magi, because he guided them to Jesus in the first place, who they worshipped, and then he spoke to them in a dream to, to warn them not to return to Herod. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious because he wanted to ensure that this newborn king didn't grow up to challenge him. And so he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learnt from the Magi. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and warned them of Herod's intention and the family escaped to Egypt. In so doing, Jesus and his family became refugees. Once again, in this story, God has intervened to thwart Herod's plan to kill Jesus. The Magi had in some way recognised a compelling need to seek out the newborn king. They had gone out of their way and travelled a long way to find Jesus. They had gone out of their way to find him and they were not disappointed. This same motivation is true for people today. For if we truly desire to find out who Jesus is, 
and set out on a journey to find him, we will not be disappointed. Our journey, of course, may not involve physically travelling, but rather a spiritual journey which involves seeking God in many different ways. For example, talking to Christians, reading the Bible, praying and helping others, to name but a few. The journey may not be easy and may be subject to setbacks on the way, but if at the end we find Jesus, as the Magi did, it is all worthwhile. For Jesus is God the Father's amazing gift to us, given at that first Christmas. We can learn a lot from the Magi. They saw the star as an important sign. They made up their mind as to its significance. And once they had reached the decision, they were prepared to act, to set out on a potentially hazardous journey in search of the Messiah. For countless people today, the baby in the manger will remain a baby in the manger. They will choose not to see who he is. They will choose not to set out on a journey of discovery to meet the grown-up Jesus, to hear what he taught, to learn that he was crucified on a cross for them, and that he rose again on the third day, victorious over sin and death, and that he now lives in each person who believes in him. When a person asks Jesus into their life, their lifestyle, their priorities and values change. As we so often say in the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. For Jesus to be a king of a person's life, he or she must submit to his authority. And for that to happen, a person must have a contrite heart, the faith to believe, and the willingness to be obedient to God's will. That may mean we have to change our priorities and challenge ourselves as to where, as, as to where our treasure is. For the scriptures put it like this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Our life on earth is not about collecting possessions, but rather building loving relationships with God and with each other. It is about growing in faith and character, as we face day-to-day -day experiences of life. Sometimes to grow, we have to be prepared to sacrifice something. For example, putting someone else before ourselves, or being prepared to give up something we're doing, which is not helping us on our spiritual journey. At this time of year, we often make New Year's resolutions. I would like to suggest that this year, 2023, we all resolve to unpack the greatest Christmas present ever given, and that is to find Jesus.
not the baby in a manger, but the risen Christ who defeated sin and death and brought about our reconciliation with God the Father. Giving and receiving is at the heart of the Christmas story. God gave us Jesus and it is up to us to receive his gift by letting him into our lives, for in doing so, we enter God's eternal kingdom. Amen. <laughs>